To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. Twelve years ago, MJ BizCon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. So let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Las Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations, and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. But wait, snag your ticket to MJ BizCon in October. And you are eligible for the 31 days of giveaways and promotion going on right now. So hurry, get your ticket today. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. That's 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your ticket at mjbizcon.com. That's mjbizcon.com. Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. This is episode 243. Today we're going to hear the story of a woman who was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 34. She did everything her doctors told her to, but it only made matters worse, resulting in other debilitating ailments, including losing 90% of the use of her hands and arms. And joining us from sunny Florida to tell her story and how cannabis saved her life is Twyla Cole. Twyla, thanks very much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Twyla, prior to being diagnosed with breast cancer, how were you feeling? I felt fine. I wasn't, I wasn't sick when I had cancer. Um, mine seemed to uh, really was a result of long-term pharmaceutical use. When I was very young, I had endometriosis. And back in the you know, late 80s, 90s, the answer to everything was birth control. And the fine print on that birth control package says it may cause breast cancer. And I am a perfect example of that. So I truly felt fine. Even once I felt a lump pop up and it was a matter of changing the uh, actual hormone treatment that I was using very quickly, I I had a soft, pain-free lump and uh, I I felt absolutely fine. And I, I I was shocked when I found out that it was cancerous. Did the doctors ever tell you that the use of birth control could cause cancer, breast cancer? You know, I've, I've wondered that. It's like you, you've always known, I've always known that because I would be the type of person that would read the little insert, mm-hmm. but did I, I didn't really think it would happen to me mm-hmm. it's uh, not happen until the moment it did. And then it was, everything comes flashing back of, I've been hearing these red flags my whole life and oops, here I am. Yeah, Corey and I were talking about this prior to the show, and she mentioned that uh, probably most women who take birth control say, oh, it'll never happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, what what was the next step once they diagnosed you with breast cancer? So uh, um, as soon as we found out, in, like in hindsight, I should have recognized the doctor's kind of fast action as 
being an aggressive cancer. So we didn't do needle biopsy. They went right in and they removed that tumor. Uh, the margins were so super thin that within a couple weeks, I was back in to excise those margins, uh, did a sentinel node biopsies. It went off to two lymph nodes. Fortunately, they were clean. So I was happy about that. Um, had another procedure to put the port in. Uh, so then about within eight weeks, I was getting ready to start chemo. My mom flew into town. My sister came to town. You know, we were all going to rally in and go together, walked into the office. And the doctor said, you know, we've, we have an issue. Your PET scan shows that the cancer is growing back already. And so at that point, the idea that I couldn't even get into chemo without the cancer restarting, uh, put, put the brakes on everything. We stepped back. Uh, ended up doing a bilateral mastectomy, and then a couple weeks after that mastectomy was done, I started chemotherapy. Uh, as as I mentioned, I, I was a perfect patient. The doctor said, "Do this." I did it. They said, "Jump." I said, "How high?" You know, you take my blood. I'll be here. I, I just did everything I was told. Um, just really leading me to believe I would be absolutely fine. What was your actual diagnosis? What type of breast cancer? I had HER2 positive invasive lobular carcinoma. Okay, were you so, were you estrogen and pro- progesterone positive as well? I was estrogen positive. Okay, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Which again, back to the the little label on the package. I was feeding that cancer with estrogen for almost twenty years, mm. and the moment we switched to a progesterone treatment, it was less than three weeks you could feel and see that lump coming through my breast. It was that quick. Wow. I had to look up what HER2 was. It's human epidermal growth factor receptor 2. And Mm -hmm. for listeners, it's a gene that can play a role in the development of breast cancer. And invasive lobular carcinoma is a type of breast cancer that begins in the milk-producing glands, the lobules of the breast. Invasive cancer means the cancer cells have broken out of the lobule where they began and have the potential to spread to the lymph nodes and other areas of the body. So yours was, was going great guns. Yep, it was, it was suddenly there, and it really was aggressive. So to, to remind people, early detection and, you know, if you think something is wrong or you feel something, take it serious. I was lucky that my doctors took it more serious than I probably did in the beginning. What was your state of mind like during this? Um, at first it wasn't me still. And then it was, well, I just need to get through this. Uh, I tend to be a a worker bee. I do, I avoid very well. So I just kept myself busy just trying to do every day. I worked all the time. I just overtime work, 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 work to try to keep my mind off of it. But I knew I'd have to go to appointments and, um, so somewhat of an avoidance, but I still didn't think that anything long-term bad was going to happen because I never had that sense of I'm overcome with cancer. Cancer did not make me feel sick. Once I started chemo, looked at myself in the mirror, uh, that's when I that's when sick started to take over my body. Tell us about going through chemo and what that did to you. It's everything you hear it's going to be like, you don't want to eat. The smell of everything makes you nauseous. Your bones and body hurt from the inside out. Uh, like you fell, fell off of a top of a 
building. Uh, just you hurt, you ache, um, you, you just don't feel good. And when, again, when you look at yourself, when you've lost all your hair mentally, now you, to yourself, you look sick. And that's a, that's a mental game that starts to try to take over. So you really have to, you have to fight to try to not get depressed, I think. Um, fight to not let it take over. Uh, halfway through my chemo, I, I ended up actually losing my job. And that was very devastating for me because I used that as my escape goat. I wasn't sick when I was at work. Um, but then when I lost my job and, you know, for, for whatever reason that was, uh, I really did get sick to the point where chemo actually had to stop for a while so I could get stronger to, to continue. What was the what was the lowest point in all of this for you? Was was that it losing your job? Yes, it, it certainly was because, uh, like I said, that was my escape. Mm-hmm. It was where I felt not sick. So to lose that, um, and it was a it was a big package. I lived there, I worked there. It was my health insurance. It was, I had all of my eggs in one basket. And I'll tell you, you, when you go through something devastating, like, like cancer or major illness, in hindsight, hopefully you can take away and learn lessons along the way. And one of those major lessons for me was don't put all your eggs in one basket, diversify your life. (laughs) How long did you undergo chemo? I had six months of chemo. Um, Ultimately, it took seven months once I had that delay in the middle. So it was about seven months worth of chemo beginning to end. Okay, so at the end of that, you're, in quotations, all better? Yeah, yep. So as as soon as my chemo ended, and because of the situation at my work, I actually had a gag order in exchange for health insurance, but I only had it for six months. So when I got sick, I had to quickly get better because I had a very quickly closing window to finish my chemo, get cleared post-chemo from my doctors to have a hysterectomy because of my estrogen-fed cancer and to finish the mastectomy process that I had started. So so a second major surgery then if they're doing a hysterectomy on you? Yep. Wow. Yep. Boy, you were a bit of a guinea pig, weren't you? Again, I was the best patient ever. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the best guinea pig ever. <laughs> so it, I would say that if like anybody learned a lesson along the way, but you know they don't necessarily hear or see that, and that, that's why things like this is so important. And it's so impo- I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Well, we appreciate you sharing it. So you get through all of that, and uh, life's fine. Or what happens next? Yeah, for the most part, life is fine. So once I uh, got through those surgeries, I got the clearance to go get a job. I found a great job. Uh, life life started to pick up. I was on that in that survivor mode. I was doing my tamoxifen for five years, uh, dealing with menopause in my early thir- or mid thirties. At that point, it was a little different than everybody else. My peers weren't dealing with that, but that was you know just something you get along with, and. I hate to say back then, but back then, social media didn't exist. So to get support meant you went to a public support group. I wasn't comfortable 
with that. Um, there's a lot more resources for people nowadays. But anyways, I, you know, I made it through that. I felt like it was, I, I was on the road to recovery. In hindsight, once I got sick, I can track back into that five years where I thought I was in survivorship. Um, some early symptoms and signs of autoimmune diseases. But ultimately, yeah, I went to celebrate my five-year survivorship. I got to get rid of my tamoxifen medication. And I got five big butterflies going up my back to represent that, um, mm -hmm. that celebration. And I couldn't get through the tattoo, which was unusual. I'd had several tattoos previously. My body kept breaking out in hives. And again, in hindsight, it was my immune system saying, stop pumping ink into me. It doesn't belong and I don't know what to do with it. But we didn't stop. We did witch hazel and kind of forced it, forced myself through. Um, and immediately, ink sucked into my lymphatic chain, mm. which was absolutely bizarre. Nobody had seen this before. Um, every, now people talk about it a little bit as being a sign of ideally lymphoma or a, you know, lymphatic disease or a hyperactive immune system. So for me, again, that was one of my early symptoms that there was something immune system wise wrong. Uh, so the ink started to suck into that lymphatic chain. And within a couple of days, I started having bizarre reactions. My head swelled so big, I could hardly hold it up. It would fall over my neck. Ooh. Couldn't even hold it. Um, and it was bumpy like hives. So we assumed I was having an allergic reaction. Uh, after a few days, it didn't go away, didn't respond to Benadryl, went to a walk-in clinic, got a cortisone shot, and my symptoms went away. So, you know, you just assume it was that allergic reaction. About six weeks later, as the steroid wore off, all my symptoms started to come back. And so that was the beginning of us chasing autoimmune diseases. So which autoimmune diseases were you diagnosed with as a result? Just before you answer that, uh, uh, Twyla, is that your dog snoring in the background? Oh, can you hear that? It, oh, it, yes, we yeah, can. We can. That's okay. Don't that's, don't worry about it. It's it's fine. But if the listeners are wondering what, what, that, what that noise, noise is, is, it's, it's, your, your, it's dog. your dog. It, that's fine. That's quite all right. <laughs> okay. So, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Corey. No, what, that's what, okay. what did you ask? I was just asking, what were your autoimmune dis uh diagnoses after the chemo because you were saying they were the long-term effects of the chemo yes so my big one is systemic lupus erythematosus uh that's that just simply lupus most people say and then also fibromyalgia came along shortly thereafter as well as Sjogren's syndrome which is attack of the salivary system and these are all a result of uh the chemotherapy you had it is and my doctors didn't say that uh, in, in the beginning, uh, specifically the rheumatologist. And I'll never forget the day. He just very off the cuff was like, well, you can thank your chemo for that. I'm like, wait, mm. come again? Say that to me again? And, you know, he said and wrote it in my medical record. This is a long-term effect of chemotherapy. And uh, that was a very shocking day. At any time, were you told or warned that this could happen to you as a result of taking chemo? I've racked my brain to try to remember that. And I, I don't remember hearing that, but mm -hmm. I, you, I don't remember a lot. Yeah, because you, well, when you're going through that, you're in a state of shock. We spoke about the scene and I actually yeah. earlier today. You're in a state of shock. You're, you're, 
you're not processing everything. You're not thinking 100%. It's a complete brain scramble. Okay, so you've got these three autoimmune disorders now. So what are you doing for those? So in, once I was diagnosed, um, you know, we started all these pharmaceuticals. Within a, a year or so, I turned around and I had a bag of 10 pharmaceuticals I was taking daily. And I found myself on Benlista, which is chemotherapy for lupus. Oh, boy. I was having to get that chemotherapy every 28 days for the rest of my life. And uh, that was very depressing. Like, I've been in the chemo chair before, but with cancer, I had a window. There was a beginning and an end. This was for the rest of my life. Um, Having autoimmune diseases definitely messed me up worse than the cancer and the chemotherapy. And I always say that with caution because so many people do not survive cancer, Um, but we all have a very different journey. And I think it's important for people to realize that, you know, your long-term effects can be just as devastating and ultimately terminal. You know, the day my doctor told me to throw in the towel, Mm -hmm. get a comfortable couch, they would force through my disability and to accept my fate, I had put up a good fight. Well, I, th- and, I, you, and you're how old at this? How old are you at this point? Forty. I I was forty one. Boy. So they just yeah. essentially husband, they I bought a house. We started crunching numbers, or I'm like, I I can't. We can't afford. Like it, it just was not acceptable. Your immune system was a mess, wasn't it? It was just, I mean, when you talk about uh, some of the the lupus, the fibromyalgia, and the sorghums, you were, how do I say this? Pretty wrecked. Pretty wrecked, exactly. You were pretty wrecked. Yeah, inside and out. So what did you do next? I mean, you're, this, is, this is a real low point for you. It, it, it was the worst point, yes. Um, there were times, there were many days where if I, if my arm fell out of bed, I physically could not even get it back into bed. I would have to use just the force of rolling the opposite way to bring my arm back up into bed. Every morning I would wake up and my hands and arms were completely cinched up. I would be stuck in fetal position. My husband would slowly wake me up and say, all right, honey, it's time to unpeel you. And one by one, he would straighten out every finger and the tears would just roll down my face. It just, it hurt in a way that I'd never felt before. And there'd be times I would just smack into a wall just to feel something other than the inconsolable pain I was feeling internally. I see, you know, you wrote us that you lost 90% of the use of your hands and arms. I lived completely in a touch screen world. Uh, I, I couldn't push a key. You know, I, I worked in development and, and office and whatnot. Um, I couldn't even push a key on a keypad any longer. Uh, I didn't have the strength to do it. And the pain, like the pain wouldn't allow me to even push that key. Um, not drive a car, can't open a door. You know, had to live in leggings because that was the only thing I could kind of pull up and down or, or basically in a, a dress. Um, or a nighty. I barely left the house. Uh, you know, just like life was really, really bad. Twyla, did you, did you ever think of wanting to die? <sighs> I, 
I think the reality of death really started to set in. Um, I have a, I kind of have an acceptance view on death. So it doesn't necessarily freak me out. I don't, I didn't want to die because I would feel so bad for my parents, my husband, my snoring dog that you hear. (laughs) Um, I, I didn't necessarily want to die, but I, was kind of in shock that this was my life. But your quality of life was not great. No. Yeah. Now, when you talked about your your the loss of 90% of your arms and hands, what operation did the doctors want to do on you? So they wanted to technically rewire the nerves and tendons that run through the joints of my arms. So that entailed, because I was in such a constant state of flare, everything was swollen internally and completely seized up. So the idea was if we could take the that out of those internal swollen joints and just lay them under my skin, I could at least function again. Uh, the, the moment that it was this dog, animals always walk through our journeys with us. So it was actually the moment my dog walked over me. I was laying on the couch under the blankets because that's all I did. And my dog walked over me and he stepped on my arm. And I was like, well, that's going to hit my funny bone nerve next week. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. My funny bone nerve is going to be completely exposed. And that is supposed to be better than what I am experiencing right now. Mm. Uh, Like the reality of the long. Now I was starting to think about long-term effects. And the implications. I'm sorry? I I was saying, and the implications of what you were about to embark on. Exactly. I was was really starting to question all of my choices had gotten me up to this point. Well, now what is this choice going to do? And uh, fear really started to set in at that point. How did cannabis enter the picture? It was a combination. One, I had an old friend from school through social media had sent me a, a link. I read it but it didn't totally register. I've always been an advocate for cannabis, um, but just was not aware of, of ingesting it. I was not aware of the endocannabinoid system. I was completely clueless of its true potential. Um, always uh, an advocate mentally, recreationally, smoking and what that could do for you. But, um, and I, when I was going through chemo, I would try to smoke to help me eat, but I struggled with it because I was so nauseous. So I almost had a little shadow of a doubt, which in, slapped me, what was I thinking? But I did. Um, that's That was just human nature, I guess, and being so well-trained to follow our doctors. Um, and then my husband actually came across a website. He watched a video that really it changed our lives. And I'll never forget the day he barged into the bedroom. Again, I was sleeping. I was always in bed because I was so sick. Turned the light on and said, I just saw this website and it talks about ingesting cannabis for pain relief, for bipolar disorder and these other things. Uh, and these are some of some of the challenges that he has. And he said, if it's been cannabis in front of us our whole life, I'm going to be really, really mad. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Shut the light off and leave me alone. <laughs> so the next day he did everything that, that we read about. And, uh, The next day, he turned the light on, woke me up again, 
and his eyes were a completely different color. And he says, something has absolutely changed. A switch has been flipped in my head. Uh, he said, I feel like I could run. And at that point, because of what he was dealing with, he had put on a whole lot of weight. And I said, don't run. You're going to have a heart attack. Shut the light off and leave me alone. But then over the next couple of days, I watched this complete change happen in front of me. So I started Googling lupus and cannabis. And it was crickets. I wasn't finding hardly anything. Uh, and then eventually I came across a lady on YouTube who talked about ingesting cannabis oil for cancer. Uh, not only did it save her life, but 90 days later, her lupus symptoms had gone away. And I said, there's one person out there in internet world and look at my fate. I have got nothing to lose. And uh, based on that, I contacted the doctor, said, I do not want to do it. So we had a conversation. We re-talked about every joint and the different pains and disabilities that it was causing. So I kind of switching around his words and finally said, so if I were to do carpal tunnel surgery, I could at least get my hands back. And he said, yes. And in my mind, knowing cannabis is such an anti-inflammatory, I was hoping it would just simply reduce the inflammation in my other joints so that I would have some pain relief. I could function again. And that was my true hope. So I said, I want you to do double bilateral carpal tunnel surgeries. And, and he said, no. Uh, and he said, there's no way you could do that. Nobody can function to have both of those done at one time. I said, listen, doc, I had both of my boobs cut off at one time. Nothing hurts worse than, well, I'm sure things hurt worse, hurt worse than that. But there's no way that my hands are going to hurt worse than that. And he said, you got me there. I agree with you. I'll go ahead and I'll do it. Are you on so, cannabis oil at this stage in the game? No, I was not. So I thought if I could talk the doctor into doing that different surgery, that surgery was scheduled for the 26th of December, the day after Christmas, I was going to give it one week after surgery, and then I would start my cannabis oil because I wasn't sure how it would interact. Again, silly me not realizing I absolutely should have started it that very day and canceled all surgeries, but I was hesitant and I just didn't know. So I had my surgery. A week later, I started my cannabis oil. Um, I had read that, uh, I followed what that lady said about what she did to cure her cancer. So that was what I wanted to do to see if it would make my lupus symptoms go away. And so that was that, the, the process of 60 grams there in 90 days. And that was what I started on January 1st of that year. Uh, when I went to see the surgeon seven days later for my two-week post-surgery, at that point, I was one week into cannabis. And he already was shocked at my level of healing for anybody, let alone somebody with my autoimmune diseases. There is no way that my incisions should have even healed that fast. I was like, all right, well, we could be on to something here. And, uh, it didn't stop. And so I just continued. And I really started to feel a difference in my body at about three weeks. I was having, a, it was my aha week. I was uh, the biggest, very biggest moment. Again, my hands, I was so used to my hands and arms being so tired and exhausted and painful. I was, my alarm went off. I was taking a shower. And in my world, that means I went up two flights of stairs to my own upstairs bathroom. Uh, I was scrubbing my hair. And I realized I had my hands over my head. And I completely froze. 
jumped out of the shower, and I kid you not when I say I looked in the mirror for alien abduction dots because I felt like my whole insides had been completely taken out, flushed, and put back in my body. I did a complete joint-to-joint assessment, and my pain was gone. And I ran downstairs soaking wet, you know, water spots all down the steps to my husband. I'm like, and I was jumping around like a puppet. Like, look at me, look at me. It all moves, it all moves. And like, we, we were just shocked and it has never stopped. And, and once, once I felt that compared to how I had felt for the previous three and a half, four years, there was no way I was stopping what I was doing. And, uh, at that point, I started to forget to take some of my pharmaceuticals. So not only was I feeling better than I'd ever dreamed, I was forgetting to take supportive stuff. And that was inconceivable. I never thought I would actually stop pharmaceuticals and stop all of my medicines. And so one by one, I just start to, started to let them drift away. Um, not knowing how my body was going to react, never dreamed I would get to where I am. I was kind of expecting I would hit a wall and eventually my body would crash and I would know, okay, I took it too far, re-add that one pharmaceutical and, you know, this is where I am. But it just kept going until they were all done. That's all. (laughs) It's remarkable to see you, uh, because we can see you through Skype screen here, that uh, you tell the story about how your arms and, and your hands were immobile. And twisted in. And twisted in. And now you just seem perfectly normal. Yeah, bouncing around and you speak with your hands a lot. Yeah. It's amazing. I go to the gym six days a week. Wow. I spend an hour and a half to three hours a day there. Um, I do things that I did not do 20 years ago. Man, you're hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) There's, I, not only did I get... Like I'm double survivor. Um, You and I almost wonder, did I not appreciate enough that I survived cancer, that I needed this next lesson that I've questioned that. And uh, no, I don't think that's the case. I think that that's just the journey I was destined to live so that I could share my story. Um, We talk to so many people now because I'm very open about my story um, and, and we forget or they forget. I went through cancer the traditional way and I appreciate, and that sounds kind of sick to even say, but I appreciate that because it allows us, allows me to connect and talk with people in a different way. Uh, People that are going through it and considering cannabis, you know, should they add it? Should they avoid it? You know, um, I I can honestly talk about how all of those steps feel. Twyla, what's your cannabis use look like? Like how much do you take a day? Call it a glob. Okay. Well, glob's fine. Um, it's, it's about the size of the pink part of my pinky fingernail. So we're, that well, is. Well, we're my... looking at our nails here now. <laughs> <laughs> so you so t- you take that once a day. Usually, I take that once a day. That is my 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 full cannabis oil. I also then supplement with some CBD supplements. I think that CBD. The more we've learned about the different molecules available in cannabis and with my diseases and diseases of the inflammatory Mm -hmm. nature. CBD is very good for that. Exactly. I believe that the full THC helps my immune system in its core Mm -hmm. work at 
best. But I believe that for me, I need that added CBD to help manage the, I call it my inflammatory regulators, basically. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm mindful of triggers. Is the weather going to be horrible? Do we have a hurricane coming? I watch for that. As weather changes, we feel that. And I am all about being proactive now. So you, if if a hurricane was coming, you would probably up that amount that you're taking a bit of the CBD then? A few days prior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Makes sense. Get get ahead of it. And then that way, when something happens, um, I've got more, more room to give of swelling, I guess. What is Um, your, what's your doctor saying these days about how well you're doing? Um, I actually have stopped going to my doctor's. My last couple of visits with the rheumatologist, uh, <laughs> a few times before the last one, he finally started to ask me about how and suggestions. He said, well, I'm getting other other clients that are asking me such questions and I don't know how to answer it. What do I say? But I can't really say it. So can you just write something down on a piece of paper for me and I can give it to them? I'm like, well... It's not really cool that I'm paying a copay to give you instructions mm-hmm. to give to your patients. And this was before Florida went medical. So fellow people here didn't have options. They didn't have doctors to talk to. When we first came out to my doctor, he was not happy. He did not believe it. He was adamant that I was going to die by coming off of the medications. Uh, we fought for a good year before he finally started to come around. And I felt like that was my due diligence. Like mm-hmm. this doctor is lucky enough to go around the world to talk to people about dis- autoimmune diseases. He needs to see firsthand what cannabis can do. And to go from him and my husband arguing, face-to-face arguing in the office to tell me what I need to tell other patients, I felt like that was a huge a huge uh, conquering maybe or overcoming. Yeah, good for you. Yep. Good and for then, you, Twyla. Thanks. Our last visit, uh, he literally said, like, why do you keep coming back? And I said to him exactly what I just said. Like, you need to see this. If anybody needs to see it, it's you. If I can touch your life, you touch thousands of people's lives. And he agreed with that. Uh, shortly after that, I went in for a routine checkup and there was a, a snafu with my insurance. Suddenly my insurance changed. They told me I had to go get a referral to go to my doctor. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I am, you guys have had me running through your hoops my whole life. Like, I feel amazing. I'm going to ride it out. I'll let you know when I need you. And yeah, that's been a yeah, few years. Yeah. Twyla, does your husband take cannabis as well? He does. How did, how has it affected him? Uh, for him, he helped, he takes it for chronic back pain. He'd had spinal fusion surgeries, so it helped to replace all of the opioids that he was on. Uh, he had been diagnosed bipolar his whole life. So that whole world of psychotropic pharmaceuticals, um, is everything that he's worked to replace. And also in the CBD realm, he's been able to get a lot of support and help with that. Uh, again, you're able to kind of fine-tune, tune in that inflammation, fine-tune some of those other things. Yeah, that's great. Twyla, you have a fantastic story, and it's so remarkable that you've done this 180-degree turnaround from someone who was essentially 
um, incapacitated to someone who's very lively and goes to the gym six days a week. You rock. And I'm so lucky to have uh, truly taken that chance. Yeah, maybe some a bit of cannabis to your dog will help it snoring. Maybe he's had a little bit of cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Twyla. No, no, he has a spinal degenerative disease. Okay. So that the, the snoring dog it is my pug. His name is Josie. And he was a gift to me while I was going through chemo. So when we talk about when was my worst time of going through the cancer period, uh, I was given my pug just days before I lost my job and, you know, the basket uh, yeah. broke open. Yeah. And it was very therapeutic for me to have a puppy. As I said, I was a, an avoider. I no longer had my job to focus on. I suddenly had this puppy. So he was very good for me during that time. Mm -hmm. I come from working in the animal industry. So to me, I highly recognize the power animals have of helping us through rough times. I believe animals help teach us lessons. Uh, So now as he is 13 himself, um, it was probably about a year and a half ago, he started with some extreme limping and it was on on his front shoulder. And so, of course, I was right at the vet. And when we did x-rays, I knew exactly what I saw. The doctor's face dropped. Uh, His spinal degenerative disease literally from the base of his head to his tail. And so I knew what they were going to start to say. And he knew I was going to say, no, but you're not going to prescribe morphine for my 15-pound pug. I'm not going to dope up my dog on your pharmaceuticals. I don't want them for myself. And I believe my dog has better options. So uh, he absolutely, again, being able to manipulate your CBD and adjust ratios, he's able to run around and be a happy dog, uh, snores and sleeps very, very well. (laughs) And he has had like positive side effects. So I'd love to say welcome to your side effect. So for him, he started cannabinoids to help with his pain, but next allergy season, He didn't have any allergies. We kept the inflammation reduced. Then I suddenly realized he wasn't having eye goopies. Well, he had Mm -hmm. had chronic dry eyes his Mm -hmm. whole life. Well, by taking out the inflammation and his tear tear ducts, now he has proper tear production. So they have endocannabinoid systems too, and uh, he's definitely responded positively. And he's sleeping and wagging his tail, having good dreams. I can't even show that. No, that's great. Twyla, it was fantastic to talk to you. Uh, you're an inspiration to everyone. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Twyla. Interesting story from Twyla. And uh, we'll be back with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio next week. But we'd also like to thank Ron Zahar of Rowan Sound here in Victoria for the use of his studios and being such a fantastic producer. And also, thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. And also, Mark in Belgium, who puts up our podcasts on YouTube and does a great job. And if you'd like to contribute to Cannabis Health Radio, you can do so on our website. There's a donate icon there. And also, if you want to boost our um, ratings on iTunes, Apple iTunes, um, write a review. And uh, that way we move up because we've discovered that we are in on iTunes in the health and alternative health sector 
We are podcast number 186, and we want to crack the top 100, Corey. That sounds good. So, yeah, just a short little review. We don't need a book. We don't need a book, no. We'd be very appreciative of that. We would. And thank you for listening to Cannabis Health Radio, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey guys, Montal here, inviting you to check out my podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montal, where we have candid conversations about everything cannabis. We have over 250 episodes in our library and a new show drops every single Thursday. So be sure to subscribe. And if you like what you hear, make sure you leave us a review. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.